excited are we about this podcast? Um, more excited than we can verbalize, and we are very articulate. So very. yes, we are so <laughs> articulate. Shoot, let's just jump into it then. Um, I think we should. Do you mind if I start off with what my father said when I told him about this podcast? Oh yeah, I want to hear this. Please tell us. Okay, so my father says, "So what is it you don't want to tell Baba?" <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> So, and this was at 8.30. It is now 10.19. So it has been almost two hours since I said, and he read, Mm -hmm. we discuss many topics on this podcast. I'll let you know which episodes to avoid before they air. Yeah, he's probably having a little bit of a crisis right now. (laughs) Poor Arab dad. It's got to be rough. It's tough out there for Arab dads. That's why this is like, we're telling everybody, don't tell Baba. Simple as that. Right, exactly. Whatever it is that anyone recommends you don't tell Baba, don't. Exactly. Which <laughs> actually leads me into the introduction. Welcome, everybody, to our podcast, Don't Tell Baba. Welcome. Um, We are a conversational podcast with a Middle Eastern flavor because we are both Middle Eastern. Um, I am one, I'm, I know, very exotic and spicy. I am one of two, (laughs) I am one of two hosts. My name is Shireen and my amazing co-host wants to tell you about her name. So I will give it to you. Tell us about your name and what you want to be called. Okay. So this is the spiel I always give my students. Mm. It's, Well, actually, it's what I give my adult students. Don't worry, I'm not calling your children. I'm not asking your children to call me by my first name. That was Mm -hmm. clear, right? Okay. My name is Noor, as long as you can pronounce it. But if you ask me if I said, oh, my God, Noor, like naked, then please call me Nora, because I'm not answering that question again, like ever. Um, do you think that there is a certain privilege in having a name that can be Anglicanized? A hundred percent. Absolutely. I think it was purposeful, in fact, on my parents' part. Mm. Because for me, I my name can't be Anglicanized, right? It's Shireen. There's no two ways about it. Sometimes at Starbucks, they called me Sharon, and I'm like, I'm not a soccer mom, <laughs> so no. Um, oh, no, not Sharon. And, 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 you know, I. but the thing is, like, you you – you know, I think the mispronunciation of your name kind of bugs you. For me, I'm just like, I guess. I think I'm kind of like dead inside to it. Okay, um, but how long have people been getting your name wrong? I mean, people have been getting my first name wrong since I moved here to the United States in 2010. And people have been getting my last name wrong, which I'm obviously not going to disclose on this podcast. But <laughs> they've been getting that one wrong my entire life. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm imagining all of the ways that your name could be mispronounced. It's I mean, a lot of ways. It's a lot of ways. My last name is very phonetic. Um, and But I think it's just a lot of letters and it is Kurdish. So people freak out and they just start bullshitting on the spot. And I'm like, I know you know how to read. So this is just embarrassing <laughs> for both of us. It's it, it really is. And it's sometimes, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but if I hand my card, my health card or my license over to someone and they go to like turn it over and read my name out loud, they will instantly change their mind and just kind of nod at me and not even make an attempt. It's honestly a little bit pathetic, right? Like they can read. They can try. You know what? 
I was actually having this conversation today and Mike described it as, oh, and just to clarify before I say the following statement, we are both very left wing. Mm -hmm. We are both socialists. Mm -hmm. Um, We are both supporters of the most left wing party available to us. Mm -hmm. Um, For me in Canada, with a federal election coming up, I have to admit I am torn between two parties. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Green Party and the NDP. But anyways, that's just the disclaimer for what I'm about to say. This is something that Mike today called PC paralysis, which is when you are so terrified to get it wrong that you don't do it at all. Mm. That's really interesting. Yeah, right. I can empathize with it. I don't appreciate it, but I empathize with that fear. I think a better alternative for people who if any of our listeners can't pronounce Middle Eastern names or any um, non-white or non-common names, I think your best bet, if you don't want to try, literally just ask. I've never been mad when people have asked me to spell mm-hmm. or pronounce my name. Absolutely. I actually really appreciate it because they give me kind of the opportunity to take ownership of it and give mm-hmm. them an alternative of my own accord instead of being forced Instead of having an alternative forced on me, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, for me, I think I spent a long time as a child wishing my name were not Shireen. Um, and sometimes flickers of that come back. Like there's a there's this FedEx guy who comes to the lab I work at. Um, and every time I I'm the one who opens the door for him, every time he sees me, he kind of just sighs and he has this like inside joke with himself, I guess, because I'm not laughing, where he's like, Oh, you're the one with the long name. And I'm like, Oh no. I'm like, it's literally on my card. I don't even have to spell it for you. Look at this bold print. And type it into your little device. Like, no shade against, like, FedEx workers. But he's, like, made it into this joke. But I'm like, no, we don't – there's nothing between us. There's no fun here. Like, (laughs) you're you're pissing me off. So um, my mom almost named me Samar, which – Oh, that's such a good name. Right, because white people would just call me Summer, right? It would be great. I love that. Exactly. But then my dad was like, but wait, her Kurdish (laughs) heritage – and now, I'm not, like, yeah, like, Baba, <laughs> like, it's like, but wait, our Kurdish heritage. And then I'm the only one out of my sisters with a Kurdish name. So I don't know why it became my <laughs> responsibility as a newborn fresh from the womb to carry the, like, to carry my ancestors, uh, like, to carry their history. Legacy. Oh my God. You are the legacy. I am the legacy, unfortunately. So, um, but yeah, so I will, I will call you nude on this podcast because I can pronounce your name. Um, I appreciate it. To to other listeners and or guests, they at least will have that choice. But with me, uh, they won't, and they're not allowed to call me Sharon or Cherie. So (laughs) they're just going to have to learn. Um, Well, I mean, don't anyone out there listening, don't feel bad for calling me Nora. My husband calls me Nora. Um, I don't, I'm not upset with it. I don't feel like I've lost part of my identity. It was an easy transition. My father wanted to name me Nora, but then my mom was like, but the Quran. (laughs) Should this podcast be called Don't Tell Mama? Well, we shouldn't tell either of them. Yeah, I know. So, um, yeah, (gasps) I just want to, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Did I ever tell you about the time that I had my first kiss and then did in fact tell my mama? Was this in eighth grade? 
Yes. Oh my god. This was a mess. Actually, I need you to hold on to the story because we're going to talk about growing up quite a bit oh on this podcast. I really need I'm you to so hold excited. on to it. Okay. So okay, I okay. actually I actually wanted to do a little PSA about the podcast. Um, we are going to be very frank and we are truly genuinely speaking from our own experiences. And that means that sometimes it's not going to be as fully informed as you, the listener, or similar to what you read online. But and because we're all works in progress all the time. So if anything bothers you or you have your own experiences, you can email us at thebabapod at gmail.com. You can DM us on Twitter or Instagram at thebabapod. And we're happy to listen because we are going to be talking about some very sensitive topics here. Um, We're going to try to do it as respectfully as possible, but you are hearing from the perspective of two women who grew up in the United Arab Emirates and moved Mm -hmm. to North America. So I just thought that was important to say. Um, I also think that it's important to note early on that you and I have had very different experiences, both within and without our households. Exactly, um, yeah. And we're both we had very, very different. We had exactly. very similar upbringings. We, I think we processed the, the trauma at different times and in different ways. Yeah. Um, very you know, I'm still mid-processing. I think you went through it a little earlier than me, and we're going to definitely talk about that. But, you know, we're coming at different stages. Uh, I We thought actually we would be great podcast hosts because we don't always agree with each other, despite knowing each other for a long time. Oh, and get this. This is the kicker and the real selling point of all of these differences, because this is nuts, and I don't think it's ever been heard of. Hmm. But we disagree respectfully. That's true. All of our conversations are so I'm I'm never walking on eggshells around you because you don't get mad. Well, no, why would I? How could I possibly be mad at your thoughts? Yeah, that's the thing. And and you know, we never our thoughts are never like we never attack each other, you know, and it's never invalidating. So Absolutely. I think that's really important. So just and I will give this PSA again um, before more sensitive episodes, because there are some very sensitive episodes and we will repeat it as many times as we have to so that everybody understands that this is a safe space and it's also a space of learning and we will get better as we go. Absolutely. And uh, I think that that leads really well into something else, which we maybe addressing social justice issues and concerns that exist outside of our field of um, lived experience and expertise. Mm-hmm. In those cases, we will be sure to send you um, and make available all of the resources um, that we possibly can. But if we ever get anything wrong or if we are unintentionally offensive or unpleasant in any way, please don't hesitate to let us know. We want to grow. We want to learn. Yeah. And, and you know, a lot of our thoughts and the way we approach things were shaped really by, by an Arab upbringing. And um, we're, we're going to go deep into that, you know, and it's not always going to be fun or, or even politically correct because we were not in a very politically correct environment for a lot of our lives. Oh, that's, that's, that's a series of episodes. And honestly, I'm a little like, scared of some of the stuff that's going to come up because I've gone through a lot of my processing, Mm. but it's not like I've been revisiting 
specific traumas very frequently. Mm -hmm. So there may be new insights or or things that I see even more differently now than I did a couple of years ago when I first started dealing with kind of everything that life has been so far. Yeah, and for me honestly it's it's I think it's a little more fresh because I only started to go through everything maybe around a year and a half ago. So, frankly, I'm prepared to jump head first into these traumas. I love it. Like it's almost like, well, okay, now I know why I am the way I am, you know, why I resent certain things and it it's it'll help us and I I I like truly hope that it'll help people who still live in Abu Dhabi today who maybe even go to our high school. Ooh, do people still go there? <laughs> so um, the reviews would tell you otherwise. Um, I knew, So this is actually um sidebar because the point of this episode <laughs> is not to go into our high school. We will have an episode about that, but we were looking for a picture of our high school today, which you can see on, um, on our Instagram, Instagram. posted by yep. Nood. Um, and so while looking for the picture, we came up on um, some reviews and I want to, I want to like read the reviews because Yay. it was just, yeah. So um, some, some guy in 2018, uh, that's Mailtizer Skittles says, kids, if your parents want you to go to the school, run away from home. Uh, I concur. And Rayan Hamdan, also in 2018, said, I was in the school for five years. It's shit. Lots of exams. They treat too like a robot. I'm in GEMS American Academy. Go there. Suck my dick school. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> so if that, if you're wondering what kind of experience we had in high school, growing up in the Middle East, and we were there for a very formative, um, it was a very formative time in our lives. So, it was. Um, it was. So yeah, Rayan Hamdan is being uh, a little harsh, but you know, they can suck our dick, but we'll go into that I'm later. Sorry. Can we talk about how many schools opened after we moved out? So many schools and all of them very American, very Western, which is actually weird and a little problematic in and of itself. But my 100%. God. You could use a cell phone at the American Community School. Do you know that? You could wear whatever you wanted. Oh, I know. I had a friend, a very old friend who I met in kindergarten. I'm not even joking. But I had a friend who went to the American Community School, and she and I grew so parallel to one another. It, it was crazy because I had, I'm sorry, I don't mean to use crazy um, as a descriptor. Mm. It was wild. Mm -hmm. Is I'm sorry, I'm trying to be more cognizant of my language use. You know what I like to say? What? I started saying bananas. <gasps> I love it. <laughs> so it okay, was bananas. Okay. It was. It was so bananas because this girl and I are growing up at the same time and we'd come into contact with one another maybe three times a year when our parents wanted to hang out. And we were at completely different stages of development. Mm. She was always so far ahead of me, so much more knowledgeable than me. Um, and I felt honestly very ashamed of it because at our school, I was kind of seen as, as uh, I don't really know how to phrase this, but I guess more Western and more knowledgeable than the rest of the population as mm -hmm. were you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but then, true. But then I, exactly. But then I'd come in contact with a person who was actually receiving a Westernized education and I would be miles behind. 
Yeah, it's it's true. We were ahead of our time in our own circle, and we were in a bubble. It was such a small bubble, too. It, it was a very small bubble. But, you know, we will go into that because I want to backtrack and I want to talk about us and who we are. So I'm going to throw some questions out there and we'll both answer them and talk about them. Let's do it. Okay. So where do we live? Because I think this is something that people are always curious about. Um, you can go first. Where do you live? I live in Innisfil, Ontario, Canada. It is a small town right outside Toronto where, thankfully, um, Mike and I were able to afford a house. So that's where I live. I live, I live in Los Angeles, California. Um, lucky. See, Los Angeles actually gets a really, really bad rap. Every person I talk to is like, oh, my God, it's awful there. And I'm like, this is what? The, this is the most dynamic city I have ever lived in, actually. So prior to this, I lived in San Diego, California, which like if you don't love beer um, and surfing, <laughs> it's probably not for you. I don't drink. And if water touches me, like I have a breakdown. So um and before that, I was living in San Luis Obispo, California, and I love San Luis Obispo, but like it's so isolated and small. Before that, Davis, California, and Davis is just uh, a shit show, but we'll talk about that in our college episode. Um, mm -hmm. So now in Los Angeles, um, I actually feel I, I've it's so cliche, but I feel a lot more creative now that I'm here. And I wonder if it's because I'm surrounded by so many creatives. Yes, yes, yes. I 100% believe, <laughs> believe. I saw the emoji in my brain. There was no percent after it. Um, no, but totally being surrounded by other creative people is the best catalyst for your own creativity. Yeah. So um, I'm here now in Los Angeles. Um, I, If I'm lucky, I can stay here for as long as possible, but that's where I am right now. Leading me to my other question, we live where we live. What do we do for a living? Great question. I'll take this one. Mm -hmm. I am a teacher. Um, I did work for the school board associated with the city of Toronto. Um, I worked at an adult day school it was the most outstanding job in the world. Um, maybe on another episode, we can go into, I guess, more detail about what our careers really mean to us. Mm -hmm. um, but right now, I've uh, I left that job, moved to a different school board for the purpose of commute time. And I'm currently a supply teacher, which means that I get calls at 6 a.m. telling me whether or not I have an income that day, which, as you can all guess, is really good for supporting a mortgage. Yeah. So for, for Americans, that would be substituting or what we call mm -hmm. substitute teachers. I don't think we use the term supply here. Um, so this is why uh, we need a universal basic income so that this kind of stress doesn't exist. Imagine. Mm, imagine. Can you imagine? Just a world where you had access to all of your basic needs. And then if you wanted more, if you wanted a mansion with a moat around it, I'm not saying you can't have that. And that's for selfish reasons, because that's what I want. But but that's when you do bonus stuff. Yeah, I right? completely agree. I mean, imagine 
Imagine everybody being cared for, not to get too crazy and socialist here, guys, but we feel like everybody uh, should have access to basic needs, which I know is like a wild and crazy healthcare. We're talking shelter and clean water and free education. Clean water. Okay, you know what? Hmm. (laughs) Yes, 100% access for everybody to clean water. But we also do need to recognize that we are currently in a place in society where the ramifications of what we've been doing for the past hundred years means that that's going to be almost impossible, not only due to a lack of privilege, but due to a literal lack of resources. Oh, I know. We've we've fucked it up in every way possible. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, imagine. Um <laughs> So what I do for a living, though, before I forget to answer this, I am a scientist. Um, Yes, I'm I'm a specialist in regenerative medicine and cell therapy development, which basically means I work on really high-tech next-generation therapies for a lot of diseases. Basically, what I do day-to-day is a lot of experiments. I deal with a lot of human blood, like a little vampire. So yeah, I I do a lot of next-gen stuff. I'm actually very privilege to be able to do it. And I completely recognize that because it does make a very good living. Um, But as Nur said, we'll go into it a little bit more, like how we got into our fields, whether we would choose again. um, Mm. And yeah, whether we would choose the same again. And really, um, there is something to be said about what is an acceptable career to Middle Easterns. So Yeah, I know. That'll be a whole thing. But for now, you can just know that I'm a scientist and I'm all about your next generation life-saving therapies. So we are also going to address how incredibly and wildly cool it is that you are as incredibly multifaceted as you are. Because you're not only a scientist, you're also a Shakespeare blogger. Mm-hmm. An aspiring author. Mm-hmm. Just an all-around incredible and incredibly talented human being. So thank you. But if if I get to call myself a Shakespearean and an author, then you also need to talk about the fact that you narrate audiobooks. That is true. I am an audiobook narrator. I have two books out and a third on the way. Um, I'm also trying to get into commercial and character voiceover. Um, yay! Yeah. God, I really, I really want you to, I really want you to be a character. But I'm just like, I sometimes just <laughs> send her random characters or like a webcomic I like is getting adapted into a show and I'm like, hey, I need you to be this character. Like I have some say, but... Legit- legitimately, honestly, just manifest it, put it out into the universe and keep sending those links. I, you know, I'm just going to be like, I actually have my ear to the floor because I'm like, oh my God, one, I need you to be here while you're recording so yes. I can host you. And two, like, can you imagine? But yeah, so we also have side gigs, so to speak, not always profitable, but we're both very creative. And so we always look for outlets. Um, Nuj does her amazing audiobook narration, which is a little bit, a little bit profitable and will get more profitable as time goes by. Um, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, God willing for you non-Arabic speakers. Um, and Nuj is also really great at restoring um, old furniture. She's also an artist. She loves to paint and do crafty things. So she is also very 
multifaceted. And she's actually an excellent writer as well. You've got like so much <laughs> going on here. I'm just like cycling. Not even I don't even have this written down. I'm like, oh yeah, and here are all the other things she can do. Oh my God. This honestly sounds like I have far too many hobbies. I'm seeing it so clearly. Yeah, but it's healthy and we'll talk about that another time. So oh, um, that's true. Yeah. So I wanna so I'm just gonna open it up and we're going to go back and forth. I want to know five things that define you as an individual and they can, it can be anything, adjective, hobby, an item. I don't know. We just want to give our listeners a better sense of who we are before we really jump into the sticky stuff that this podcast has to offer. I've been thinking about this all day and I, honest to God, always have such a hard time picking things that define me? Hmm. I know it's a hard question. It, incredibly. Would you mind starting? Oh, yeah. Um, also, just so that you all know, um, I I just messaged Nude uh, from work today being like, hey, you need to have five things that define you. As if that's so easy. I'm like, yeah, you're not out or anything, but you need to have a, sen- <laughs> you need to have a sense of who you are before <laughs> seven o'clock or so help me God, this podcast is canceled. <laughs> and I, w- I felt exactly that level of, of fear. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's my, that's, and you know, for sure we're going to talk about this in the high school episode, but I've been instilling fear in people since like the seventh grade. Um, oh, that's, that's going to be a fabulous episode. We should have a guest on for that one. I can think of the perfect guest. We actually still know a lot of people from high school, which is great considering that we're all scattered all over the world. But there's something about the shared trauma of a school that, you know, should collectively suck all our dicks. It just brings us together. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. So I'm going to, so really I'll start does. first. Yeah. Go. So I'll start first. Here's a thing that defines me Shakespeare, which is very predictable. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say it's predictable because a lot of listeners don't know you yet. Well, predictable uh, to you. you. Know her, <laughs> yeah, it's predictable to me. That's that's a very good one. So um, that's a very very good one. Yeah, I guess I'll go into it a little bit. Um, at, so at school, I think here people read Shakespeare a lot earlier, and I think it's the same in Canada. Um, it is. But we read our first Shakespeare in 10th grade, which is really late to be exposing people to Shakespeare. Um, way too late. Way too late. We read Richard III. And I will specifically tell you now, and this is going to be a rant later, I will tell you now that they chose Richard III because they thought it was the cleanest <laughs> one. But if you read Richard III, you're like, you know, every yeah, so they, often. they missed. Yeah. They missed the mark. They missed the mark. You know, I sit here every so often and I'm like, do you remember the line, your bedchamber? Yes. Do you remember reading it out loud? Yes. So actually, fun story about Shakespeare. Um, uh, Nude was playing Lady Anne and I was playing Richard. Um, and we were standing up and reading out loud in the class. We had an exceptional English teacher. Like after years of not being nurtured, we were finally being nurtured. So we were both really into it. Um, and our so our fabulous English teacher chose us. We were really strong readers. Actually, people used to make fun of us for getting chosen to read, which is like, what a thing to tease people for. Did I mention I'm an up and coming audiobook narrator? <laughs> it's oh. almost like it was it almost it's almost like it was a beneficial skill to learn. Anyway, um, 
And and so uh, there there is a line in Richard the Third, or there's a back and forth between Lady Anne and Richard, um, where he where he asks her where she would like him to go, and her line is some dungeon, and he responds, your bedchamber. <laughs> and I guess I delivered this really well because our English teacher was sobbing laughing she lost her mind like she her head was down on the desk that's how hard she was laughing oh my god yes 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 and the rest of the class kind of just like after just not understanding a single word that was said for maybe five full minutes of reading just all of their jaws dropped because that they got yeah that they got because sometimes you have to hear Shakespeare to understand Hmm, is it possible that all these characters are talking about sex? Maybe. Um, Always. For me, though, it was finding Shakespeare was like a weird experience because I think I approached it the way I was supposed to approach it, which was, ugh, this is going to be so hard, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But Mm -hmm. one, like I said, we had an amazing teacher and she actually told me maybe like a year ago or something that she had done nothing but water a seed that was already in me. Um, I know, because I was like, if I love Shakespeare, it's because of you. And she said, no, I think that was just in you. Um, and as someone who felt like very much of an outcast, I felt so protected by Shakespeare because it was mine, only mine, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um like, of, of course, you were great at it. We had other classmates who were great at it. But I felt like it was my thing. And in a way, all of the teasing and the bullying, I just, like, didn't care anymore. Because I was like, I have this thing, though, that you don't understand and you'll never understand. Yep. You know? And uh, then... It, it burned it burned something in you that it... I, I have to say, it didn't quite ignite in me. But I... I see that love. And I mean, I don't know why you haven't pursued Shakespeare to a greater extent than you have, but I think that you've done incredible things with what you have done and what you have written about Shakespeare. Yeah. So really, I, I fell off of it for a little bit because there was this fear in me that I was only good at it because I was being guided. Um, and so I, I ended up sitting in on a class during grad school. Um, My grandma was very sick at that time, and I was so stressed all the time because I was so far away um, that I thought to myself, why don't I just go find a Shakespeare class? And I just sat in it like I didn't even take it, you know? Um, And I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. Like I was distracted for four hours a week, you know, but like actually shut off from the rest of the world because I was so excited Um, Before that, I had gone to London to do a Shakespeare summer abroad program. But even there, that fear followed me to London. You know, it's it was such a deep rooted fear. Yeah. Like I couldn't, you know, I would write amazing papers and my professor would give them back to me and be like, I can't even give this a letter grade because it's so like, it's like so galaxy brain of me. Yeah, it's so like publishable. Yeah, he and you know he's like freaking out, and I'm just like, no, 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 this is nothing. Don't, don't tell me these things, you know, that like make me uh, question my place, the the path I've chosen, you know. And that's of course a conversation for um, this the episode about our careers. Episode? Yeah, 
Um, it's about our career specifically, but um, recently though, and then when I went to that class in grad school and I sat there, the professor and I got on like we were we got along so well, like you wouldn't imagine. I'm every Shakespeare professor's dream. Um, yes. He and I used to sit outside of the classroom on the floor. And you can imagine I'm like a really tiny person. And you had this huge old man next to me. He was probably like six foot five with our legs sticking oh, out yes. into the hallway, just talking <laughs> because he because he knew what he knew I had it, whatever it is, I have it right. Um, after that class with him, I went and just read all of them. Like I went fucking nuts. I went bananas. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, you were posting to Facebook with and you were raping through these plays so quickly. I would keep like refreshing the page to see what you were reading next and what you thought of it. And it was just honest to God, mind blowing how quickly and efficiently you went through the entire canon. Literally, I was like, if I don't read Shakespeare, I'll die. Like that was the point in my life I was at. I was actually mm -hmm. not in a very good place. And before like seeking help for that. I had Shakespeare. Um, and and like at this point, you know, I've 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 had like weird experiences at bookstores, and it's always with with um men yeah. <laughs> who are always like, Oh, you're, you're buying this, you tell me about it. And I'm like, okay, Google is a free-to-use service, right? I can't I, I don't understand why people feel the need to be so fucking elitist about their literature. It's just... Yeah, and we can definitely talk about that. But, you know, for... And so now for me, like, I have... So, so now I have a collection of Shakespeare, if everyone's wondering why it defines me. I collect really old ones. Um, two, three days ago, my amazing coworker took me to this used bookstore, and I found a um, version of Henry IV, Part One and Two, published in 1900. Stunning. Yeah, Um and it's funny because we had been talking about Falstaff that afternoon, actually. <laughs> so I was like, wow, it's fate. Um, so, you know, I so now I have some plays that are just like so deeply a part of me. Um, Richard III, obviously, because I still remember the opening lines because I was that shaken, you know. Um, yeah. And then yeah. Henry V, which really just leads from the time we read Henry IV in, the, in 12th grade. That was um, not a good choice for 12th grade. It was a terrible choice, but I but I met I met the prince, right? I met my scoundrel prince. Yes. Um Yes, you did. Yeah. And uh and then Measure for Measure, which I read as an adult. But Measure for Measure fucked me up. I'm telling you, once a month, I'll be like, you remember Measure for Measure? And then I'll just at night just be staring at the ceiling, being like, oh my God. So Measure for Measure was never even on my radar of like Shakespeare must reads until you told me about it. And now I'm like actually considering taking a dip back into literature that is difficult for me to read. I think because you should read Measure for Measure. I think I'd love it. I think we should do an episode on it because it is a gray area. There are questions of consent, power dynamics, religion, all the stuff we love. It's in measure for measure. Yes. So Ooh, we could play the characters too. Just relive high school. Exactly. Like the it's, good parts. The good parts. The good parts. It's such a good play. Like listeners, if you love Shakespeare, even if you don't love Shakespeare, try Measure for Measure. Don't watch it because there there isn't a version that's been filmed where I'm like, yes, but you should read it 
and you should read my blog post about it because I blog about Shakespeare at oforamuseoffire.wordpress.com. But yeah, you know what? Shakespeare defines me. I love that about myself. I want to hear about something that defines you. This is really hard. Um, I think being a homeowner defines me Mm. almost more than anything else. And this is also going to be kind of an episode later. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but my anxiety has kind of started closing up my chest. I can hear it a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I have really severe anxiety and depression. Um, I am. You know what? That's another episode, too. Um, But for the purpose of full disclosure, my mental health is not the most fabulous all the time, which is true for most of us, um, even all of us. Um, I'm doing great right now, though. You you know, you you sound great. And honestly, this show at some point will turn into Sharina Nude's anxiety corner. So. (laughs) Oh, my God. Can we have like like the exact same font as Pooh's thoughtful corner? Yeah, but But it's, it's our anxiety corner. It's fine. Yes. Okay, perfect. Um, I cannot wait for that. (laughs) Um, Okay, so my family is originally Palestinian. Mm. Palestine is a country that is now written on most maps as Israel. Mm. Um, For the purpose of clarifying my own position, I am all for a two-state solution. Mm -hmm. I think that that is the only way forward. I think that it is the only reasonable way forward. I do have many opinions on the information that is shared on North American media regarding the conflict in um, Israel slash Palestine. But pretty much my entire life, I grew up in the UAE, Abu Dhabi, where homeownership was not an option for Mm non-locals. To be a local, you had to belong to one of the families or be very closely tied to one of the families who originated the country, United Arab Emirates. So citizenship in the United Arab Emirates was impossible. We only grew up there. Um, I do not think that there was ever an option for me personally of calling it home. Mm -hmm. Um, Simply because the United Nations Human Rights Code states that all human beings should have the right to own property. And that is not a right that is granted in that place. And so to me personally, it feels like a human rights violation because growing up, I was constantly told about properties that my family had once had in Palestine, Mm. my grandfather's orchards, the kind of the romanticization of something that I'm sure wasn't quite what is imagined, Mm. but was ours. Yeah. And it's something that I never got to experience. And then growing up in the United Arab Emirates, never got to experience. And so starting around the age of nine, um, I became obsessed with home ownership, mm. I kind of learned everything about it. Whenever I had internet access, I would Google about it. I would read about it. I was fascinated by it. And when I was younger, it was um, the aspects of having a backyard, which don't get me wrong, still the most exciting thing <laughs> in the goddamn world. <laughs> um, but then as I kind of grew older and started attending therapy, ooh breathing time. I'm sweating. (laughs) No, I don't blame you. I'm like feeling every word. Thank you. Um, But no, as I kind of grew older, I started to realize that that sense of displacement was thoroughly overwhelming Mm -hmm. um, to the point where 
legitimately the only thing that I needed at one point to feel safe was a deed or a title or a mm-hmm. contract that had my name on it as property owner. Yeah. Um, yeah. So homeowner is a huge, huge part of my identity. Yeah. So Nuda and I actually both come from war-torn countries um, because I'm Iraqi and she's Palestinian and there's no going back for us. So I think feeling rooted, for me, it's feeling rooted in one place, you know? Mm-hmm. Anytime that's mm-hmm. threatened, I spiral. And I think it's because I have nowhere to go. Okay. So this actually has to be another episode. I'll add it to our Google Doc um, later. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> moving from the condo mm-hmm. to the house, mm-hmm. that transfer of property for like the brief week or two that Mike and I were not owners of a property, the panic attacks were overwhelming. No, I mean, you told me, actually. I remember we were, I had checked in with you um, around Mm -hmm. that time. And you told Mm -hmm. me and like, it makes so much sense to me. And I don't think I was as in tune with the concept of displacement as I am now. But it makes so much sense. Neither was I, honestly, until my most recent therapist therapy was more of a band-aid solution Mm -hmm. than a thorough spring cleaning. Yeah. God, that's tough. Thank you for sharing that with us. That's really hard. Thank you for listening. And if you're still here and haven't clicked out at the mere mention of Palestine and Israel, um, an exceptional thank you to you. Yeah, we love you. <laughs> um, my, mine is actually kind of stupid. <laughs> There's nothing stupid. Nothing is stupid. Um, I want to talk about Greek mythology. Yay! Um. When I was a little kid, a lot of my my wounds are from childhood. So a lot of digging has happened. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a kid, I was really lonely. This is pre-meeting you. This is pre-seventh grade even. I'm like l- really little kid, like fourth grade, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And I love to read. Like I was just like a reader and that was like what protected me from loneliness. And I think I would just read because it wasted time and it kind of cut me off from thinking about like, I don't have a lot of friends. People think I'm lame. The boys are calling me ugly, right? Like all of those things. I know. Um, And one day, so we, I went to a British primary school. So in Abu Dhabi, you could get like a more British education, a more American education. And high school, it was fused for us. Yeah, we did both systems. We did both systems. As a child, I was doing British. So there was really this emphasis on social studies and the creative arts, which was, I think, really helped me become in tune with that side of myself. But we did like topics, quote unquote. And one of our topics was ancient Greece. And there was a big section on mythology. And my mother, who always loved to kind of supplement our learning with books, um, bought me and my older sister a book on Greek mythology and the cover was teal and I had this like cool drawing of like gods and goddesses on it and I was like okay whatever I'll read it even though it belonged to my older sister so I wasn't at the ancient Greece stage yet Mm -hmm. but I remember reading it and I will tell you that as a book it kind of sucks like when I read it now I'm like what is this like it's so sanitized seriously it's sanitized you know um Okay, yeah, fair. Because for, it's for children. Is it sold in Abu Dhabi? Yeah, so so that's, you know, there's there's censorship going around. Um, 
So yeah, but we're not allowed to talk about that, or else we're gonna get banned in the Middle East. I feel like England. we're already banned. We opened our mouth, <laughs> and we got banned. There's a shulta immediately. Was like, ah, that's enough of that. Oh. Um, translation shurta means police. Yes, and they were like, that's enough of that. But you know, reading those stories though, I there is just like a kind of restlessness in, mm-hmm. in, a, lot of, in a lot of goddesses in particular that I just understood. Yeah. A, a kind of restlessness, a kind of restlessness where maybe you're under the thumb of, say, your culture and or family ex- expectations, but then one day you get kidnapped and the next day you're queen of the underworld. And for a child who wants to escape you know, you kind of gloss over the kidnapping and you're like, oh my God, can someone pop out of the ground and steal me? Please. Please. Immediately. Immediately. Um, with consent. With consent. And, and you know, so, so I don't know. It's just something that's followed me though. Like I never fell off the Greek mythology train. Like Shakespeare was really into it. So I would, you know, I, I look out for things when I was reading his plays, but in general, like I have a ton of books. I have just a ton of like trinkets, anything that reminds me of it, I'll pick up. And I think it's, and I do want to do an episode about this, but I think it's about nurturing that child in me by giving her something she loves. I think that that's going to be a really, really, really important episode to talk about because we, as human beings, constantly forget to take care of every version that exists within us. Yeah. And that leads to so much built up anger. Wow, for why? I know. And, and you know, f- and for me, like, there, sometimes there's the shame about it. You know, mm. uh, there's the shame. But, like, recently, I was like, uh, I'm going to do whatever I want. So, like, you know, it just turned into Hell like, yes. I, I, have to, I have to nurture the little girl in me. And the little girl in me, she felt seen by the magic of Greek mythology, right? I love that. So that's something that defines me. It's very important to me. I love that. I love it. So how about that's you? A good one. Ooh, okay. So um, I'm kind of starting our season off strong with just, I'm putting my traumas out there just one at a time. So for number two, this is kind of a catch-all answer, and I apologize for that, but I wouldn't have had enough for five if it wasn't. Um, I am the roles that I play to different people. Mm. So I am a daughter, mm-hmm. first and foremost. I am a sister. Mm. I am a wife. Although I don't like that term, and that's another episode. Mm. But technically, I am a wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, to a fabulous husband who is actually our producer. So thank you, baby. I love you. Thank you, Mike. (laughs) And uh, I am an educator. I am a friend. And on a lighter note, I'm a pet mom. Yeah, you are a pet mom. Yes. I I think you play those roles very well. Thank you. That, That means a lot to me because there's a lot of anxiety about how I do things. I just want to do things well and right. Mm. And I know that there's no such thing as doing things right. And that's something that I'm trying to move past. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's, there's that constant fear that I'm going to fail someone and not notice. Yeah. I want you to um, maybe think about the Middle Eastern obsession with perfection. 
<laughs> Shall we? Must we? <laughs> uh, it's low-key on the list, so yeah. <laughs> also, um, to those of you wondering about this list, Shushu and I were kind of just messaging over WhatsApp, and I'd like throw out ideas here and there. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to put that on the Google Doc. I'm going to put that in the Google Doc. And so then I open the Google Doc, and the next thing I know, there's 52 incredible ideas for a year of podcasts. A year of podcasts. Yeah. You can't get rid of us. We're going to keep popping up on iTunes. Just click. Yeah. You you know you want to click on the pink camel. Yeah. Click. It's, it's, click it's it. done already. It's done. Also, um, because I forgot to say this. Um People call me Shushu to listeners because I know I introduce myself as Shireen. Nude will call me anything from Shushu to just Shu. That's totally fine. She's not calling me an actual Shu. Um, that's, that's although, if I did, you know, there's little I love more. Oh no, you love Shu, so I would be so flattered. But um, Shushu is just like the the popular nickname um, or Dala for. Our, for our Arabic speakers, it's just a popular nickname for my name. So if you hear that, you can call me whatever you want. But if you hear that, just know I'm okay with it. And she's not confused about who she's speaking to. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. You're I appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah. So the roles I play, primarily mm. daughter, I feel like by this ripe old age of 26, I should have already bought my parents a mansion uh, my mother, three fur coats, and my brother, an engagement ring for whatever woman he wishes to woo. Mm. Honestly, like, I feel like that's where I'm supposed to be at. Mm -hmm. And as you heard earlier in the episode, I am a supply teacher. <laughs> yeah. You know what? One, I'm very proud of your supply teaching. I think what you do is excellent. I think you're a great teacher. Two, um, this is also an Arab thing. I don't mean to keep saying that, but it is. <laughs> this is such an Arab thing. And and I th I'm sure we'll go deeper into it as we will into all of the little um, mm -hmm. traumas and eccentricities that we have as Arabs. Mm -hmm. um, but I understand. I understand. And I know you do. And that's why it's kind of so easy for us to talk about these things. Because even when we didn't have the exact same experience, we understand the context Oh, of yeah. that anxiety so well. Mm -hmm, absolutely. 100%. So I guess um, if, if we're going to kind of clarify, I suppose that our primary audience is other Arabs in the Western world. Um, however, I think that we are two super fun, educated, interesting, intelligent human beings to listen to for approximately an hour to an hour and a half a week. Mm -hmm. um, but you can also come here for kind of information and deeper knowledge about what it is to be Middle Eastern, what it is to be Arab, or even what it is to exist between mm -hmm. and not within two cultures. I will say even more, like just more vaguely, even what it is to be cis women. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there, there will be a lot mm -hmm. of that as well. That's absolutely true. Uh, yeah, very good clarification. Thank you. Um, we want to be as welcoming and inclusive and safe as we possibly can to everybody. So if there are topics that you would like to hear us touch on, even though they may not be our own experiences, let us know that too. Yeah, I mean, we, right? we will absolutely 
do as much as we can to either learn or find a guest speaker because we have a pretty good network ourselves. Yes, we do. Thank God for all of the fabulous human beings we know and love. Yeah. Your number three. My number three. My number three is an Iraqi dish called bamya. Yummy. So bamya is um, boiled okra, and it has a very slimy texture that I really like. Um, and so we boil it with tomato sauce and garlic and chunks of meat, and we eat it over rice. And mm. bamya is really like for a lot of my life was a comfort food. Like high school was a very traumatizing experience, but coming home to my grandma's bamia kind of was like a little band-aid over those everyday wounds. Mm -hmm. um, and my grandma was very good at it. And, um, and you know, I think of her sometimes. My grandma passed away in 2016. And actually, um, two days ago was the third year anniversary of her death. And you know, I think when I think about her, I think about food and I think about Bamia and I think about one non-Bamia food story, which is once I just had like the worst, most devastating day at school and I came home. Enjoy that? Yeah. <laughs> at, that, okay. at high school. <laughs> and, I, yeah. and, I, and I came home and um, she had left like a plate for me in the microwave and it was just like the most delicious succulent lamb chop in the world the rest of my day didn't matter yeah but you know but Bamya specifically she would make it because she knew I loved it so much and my mom makes it now because she knows I love it so much and when I, f I it's hard for me to feel connected to being Iraqi because I've never mm -hmm. been there and I'm displaced mm -hmm. and I can never go there. I, ca I can't, you know? I don't know my I, know. I don't know my people. I don't know my place. So And Chushu, even if you did, you'd be, and I say this honest to God from experience, you'd be going as a tourist. It's not a homecoming. Exactly. It's a visit. It, it, it's so it's just like difficult, but when I feel connected, it's when I'm eating Bamiya, which is a really warm, beautiful, filling dish. Not very popular because of the slimy texture, but I personally am obsessed with it. And a lot of people think of me when they think of Bamiya. That's beautiful. Also, to anyone who hasn't had Bamiya, it is so outrageously delicious. Like, make yourself a Middle Eastern friend, buddy up to their mom, and get <laughs> yourself a taste of some Bamiya. Yeah, I will also Honestly. acknowledge. I will also acknowledge that I know that Bamiya isn't Iraqi only, but I grew up feeling like it was. You know. Also, I'm pretty sure that you guys make it significantly more frequently than any of us do. And we, and I know one of our differences. I think one of our differences is we put a lot of lemon in it. I don't know if other people do that. We don't. Yeah. Ours is saltier. So ours is super lemony. Um, but yeah, I do mm. associate it very heavily with my roots and my own, you know, subset of Arab culture, but in a very comforting, yes. healing way. That's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. You made me hungry, but thank you for sharing that. Oh my God, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay, so my third um, actually is Arabic as a language. Mm. Um, 
the fact that I speak it, the fact that I can still read and write it, the fact that it has been, and I don't mean this in like a shitty capitalist way, but it has advanced my career in ways that I couldn't imagine Mm -hmm. because of how many people I was able to connect with as they kind of began their their journey as new Canadians. Mm. I feel like I have a very, very... I'm placed very conveniently to be of use to as many newcomers as I possibly can be um, in my profession and with my language. Um, I feel very, very connected to my parents when we speak Arabic. Mm. I I get really excited when I overhear people in public speaking Arabic and I tend to be like super creepy in public where if I'm (laughs) like I'll I'll overhear this like this has happened so many times but like a lovely hijabi lady Mm. will be standing there speaking to someone in Arabic and I'm like this punk looking pink haired generally fairly messy looking individual kind of just like gawking at like a woman and her children in like the dollar store (laughs) oh my god just like unkempt but like so happy to see other arabic speakers out in the world it feels like a special sighting um and it makes me feel good it makes me feel like even though there is a lot of issues with displacement there is a home in the comfort of a familiar language yeah, and you know, I what I love about Arabic is that there are just some things that you can only say in Arabic because there's no translation. Yes, yes, you know how many yes, times yes. like I'm talking to people who don't speak Arabic, and I want to say because like we're talking about someone, and I want to say this person's Maya, which which, tran- like, which translates literally to melted. But this is like an Iraqi <laughs> phrase. This is an Iraqi phrase when someone's like really. Oh you know, like a pushover and soft and whatever. But every time I'm like, every time I'm like, oh my God, this person's Meyer. And I always tell them, listen, I have a word for this. It means melted, but do you understand? Um, (laughs) But there's comfort in being able to say it to someone and them saying, yeah, I get it. Like in Arabic. Yes, yes, yes. A hundred percent. No, my favorite is Abu Riyale. What does that Um, mean? Right. Okay. So uh, to clarify to the audience, we speak different dialects Mm -hmm. of Arabic. So while we are both fluent, we have different terminologies for many words. Mm -hmm. Um, My dialect is bastard Arab, uh, which means Palestinian. (laughs) And and Shushu's dialect is Iraqi. Um, So no, Abu Riyale. Abu, A-B-U, means father Mm -hmm. of and then riale means drool. <laughs> is that so, a way of saying dumbass? Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. And you know my mom. Mm. Okay, so for anyone who doesn't know my mom, you are very much missing out. Um, but Shushu, can you imagine my mom kind of like judgmentally looking over at someone out in public and then turning to me and being like, like I can see her I can see her saying that 
Yes, which basically translates to, oh my God, do you see this dumbass? Man, you know what? Iraqis just say Ahmad and we just get through with it. Yeah. This is. Yeah, yeah. No, that one is universal. Yeah. That means donkey. Yes, ass, I guess. Um, yeah. To, in a, in a, yeah, it's way. a good one. But yeah, no, I, I like, I like that you feel like Arabic defines you. It does now. For a long time, it was a part of my identity that I tried to erase um, to the point where in the 11th grade, I spent the entire year of Arabic classes. So that's an hour a day, five days a week, um, writing the words out using Latin letters instead of actually writing in Arabic, like a person who knows how to write Arabic. Okay, well, to be (laughs) fair, I dropped Arabic in 11th grade, so I feel you. I would have too if my parents let me. Yeah, my parents were just tired of my shit, I feel like, at this point. So I don't know. My parents didn't get tired of my shit. And then when they got tired of my shit, they were like really tired of my shit. That's that's I that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give me number four. Okay, number four for me is romance novels. Yeah, yes, right. This is something that's so me. So um, people and uh, I have like a fun relationship with romance novels because when I was young, probably around seventh grade, um, I used to read them a lot, but in the comfort of my room at home and away from everybody else. Because when people see a romance novel, they're like, she's reading trash or she's reading smut, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which or yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I used to, so books are actually censored, um, in, in the UAE. So you wouldn't really see a romance novel that has like a really sexy cover or anything, but they had a ton of historicals because historicals sometimes just have a cover that's like a dress, like a woman in a dress. Right. Um, yeah. So I would buy those and they were like anthologies and. Oh my God. That's. Awesome. Yeah, they would be like four books to one and they were like huge. I used to hide them on like a shelf in my closet. Um, not that my parents ever policed my reading, by the way, because I read Lolita. Mine did. I read Lolita at age 15. Did. So did I and my father lost it. Um, so, which, so, you know, I, so I used to read them in secret, but also I thought that people would think that I was reading beneath me. Because I have this reputation, uh, I have this reputation of being like really good at English, right? It was my I naturally like we didn't study, you and I didn't study. Um, we didn't study no. for English exams. We just kind of like winged it and got the highest grades, right? Um, no, but Shushu, here's the difference. We read the book. That's true. We did. We did read the book. And <laughs> but the thing is, we, I guess we didn't consider that studying because we were just chilling and like shit talking Lord of the because Flies. It wasn't. We're just shit talking Lord someone of the Flies. Someone gave us a book. Yeah, someone gave us a book, so we read it. What else do you do when you are handed a book? Uh, you complain about it. But um, so basically, I and. You know, for after that, I stopped reading romance novels and I started reading all of the great American novelists and the great British novelists. And then when I was like 25, 24, I was like, why are all these men white? Oh my God. (laughs) And then I was also like, where are the women? Because it's not like, it's not like, it's not like Hemingway doesn't have a female character. It's not like Fitzgerald isn't writing (laughs) 
women in The Great Gatsby, but are they like real women or is this just some kind of... No, they're two-dimensional characters who are just there to serve the purpose of the male characters finding their way to heroism Exactly. Like you want to look at The Great Gatsby, like Daisy is nothing because the way Gatsby perceives her, the way Nick perceives her is so flat. And just there... Isn't she the... Isn't she the OG Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Probably. I mean, she exists because Gatsby has been projecting onto her his whole life. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I kind of had that realization and I was like, I want to read about women. Like, I think at this point, probably I was reading like, I don't know, Crime and Punishment, which is a book I love so much. But a part of me is just like, this is another white boy novel. Um, I fear it so deeply. I haven't even picked it up. I th- there's a good translation. I'll actually tell you what translation to read. Yeah, please, um, please honestly, I've attempted it like three times. Yeah. I'm not. There, there's a specific translation that's excellent. So, um, so you know, I got back into it. I read a series. Um, it's the Spindle Cove series by Tessa Dare. Um, Tessa Dare is like a California native too. So shout out to her. And it was so good. Like, I was delighted. These are stories about women um, and four women. women, you know, and, and it's it's literally a journey of a female character's path to emotional fulfillment, sexual fulfillment, mm-hmm. and just like freedom. Mm-hmm. Yay! And I was like, this is what I want. And you know, I, and then after the fact, I started reading them more publicly. I've shifted off the Kindle to paperbacks because in Los Angeles, we have an excellent bookstore called The Ripped Bodice in Culver City that sells only romance. Shout out to The Ripped Bodice. Shout out to The Ripped Bodice, which is like the love of my life. And when I moved here, it was the only place I felt at home while I was still adjusting. Um, and so I... I just kind of like started reading them more publicly and I had, had a couple of people be like, they're unrealistic. And I always want to be like, what is unrealistic about a woman being fulfilled in every aspect? Tell me that. Mm. I do have an answer for you, but my answer for why it's unrealistic that a woman finds it, the, I'm going to rephrase. The part that's unbelievable isn't the sexual and emotional fulfillment and gratification. Mm-hmm. What's unbelievable is the journey to it. So certainly it's an idealized journey, but the end... Precisely, but you could say that about all literature. Exactly. That's the thing. This is not specific yeah. to romance novels. Every book I've read has been idealized, right? So 100%. we want to talk about the message. Harry should have been dead. Yeah, we want to talk about the message. And the message yeah. is that women deserve the world. They do, you know, like women like of, you know, trans women, cis women, like, you know, people deserve fulfillment in general. Thank you. You know? Yes. Yes. Like on. Especially those who do not have many avenues by which to access fulfillment in society. Yes. The marginalized Um, groups. Precisely. And romance novels very often are written for a marginalized group. Um, Mm -hmm. and the authors explicitly say so. So, um, Mm -hmm. it it was so important to me to kind of realize that for me, leaving romance novels was a little bit of internalized misogyny and finding them again was kind of letting go of that. That is such incredible self-awareness. Just amazing. Thank you. And so actually to the, um, 
if you are a cis heterosexual man in a relationship with a cis heterosexual woman and you're thinking to yourself, women are so mysterious. I don't understand them. What's going on? Oh my God. We're not. We're not. But I am actually telling you if she has a romance novel she loves, read it because it's a manual to the inside of her mind and just do what the book says and then come thank me later. That's good advice. Alternatively, if you are having difficulty in your relationship, um, this is obviously outside of situations of abuse. Um, Please see the description box for um, phone numbers and resources in case you are in a dangerous or domestic violence situation. Um, What I'm about to say is not about that. Mm. Um, If you're having a hard time in your relationship, That is a very normal part of growing alongside a completely different individual from yourself. Mm -hmm. Agreed. It is permissible and it is treatable. It's not shameful. And there's not at all. And there's nothing wrong with seeking couples therapy. Um, Mike and I have an absolutely fabulous couples therapist. Uh, We've been together for nine years. We've been married for four and just... Learning how to love each other better is only beneficial to everyone involved. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be about resolving an issue. It can be about growing together more beautifully, more efficiently, and more happily. So no shame there either. No, absolutely no shame there. You know, and and really when I say that, it's like, do you feel like you need a little oomph in your relationship? I do think- Read a romance novel. Read a romance novel. I do actually think though that like, if this is something your partner's interested in, make an effort. I know you don't feel- Show some interest. Show some interest. I promise romance novels in particular, because they're so focused on- emotions and really like tiny things about characters and not about like a, the mm-hmm. grand scheme of things. Um, mm-hmm. They will tell you, you, you want to talk about some scenes with your partner. I think it can really unlock a lot. Um, uh, yeah. You will have a mind blowing orgasm. Do it there. Yeah. There you go. Right. 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 From, <laughs> right from the master's mouth. Can you tell us what defines you? Um, yes, absolutely. My fourth descriptor is actually poetry. Oh my god, yes. You are a poet. She's also a poet, guys. Not a good one. No, you're <laughs> good. Come on. I've read your poetry. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, okay, so poetry. In grade six, I'm pretty sure it was grade six, we had this shitty Sabbath anthology. Um, Sabbath was... Uh, kind of the corporation behind our school. Yes, it was a private school. Yes, it was run like a corporation. Yes, we were commodities. Yes, we will discuss this further. This was seventh grade. Was did it have like a pale blue cover? It did. It did. It did. It did. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. And I had this teacher and he, I don't know what happened to him that day, but he was like, turn to the back of the book on the blank page. And To me, this was like, oh, my God, the classroom environment is changing. How volatile, how exciting. (laughs) And I was like electrified, (laughs) just electrified by turning to a blank page. And then the teacher says, all right, write down in the middle of the page. So we'll go no more a roving and underline it. So I did. And then he starts reciting. So we'll go no more a roving so late into the night. Though the heart be still a-loving, 
still as loving, and the moon still be as bright. Though the sword outwears its sheath, and the heart wears out the breath, and the soul must must pause to breathe, and love itself have rest. So will go no more a-roving, so late into the night, though the heart be still as loving, and the moon still be as bright. Lord Byron. Oh, you and your Byron. And from that moment, I was so madly, deeply, and thoroughly infatuated with a very dead man. <laughs> and then from there, it has obviously grown. I um, I still deeply enjoy the poetry of dead white men. I simply cannot help it. That's okay. Um, but my current... I know, right? My current favorite poets are actually a pair of partners. Um, Andrea Gibson Mm. is a poet that I discovered, I want to say, two years ago. And since then, I have been absolutely hooked to their work. The themes of social justice, um, the awareness raising for LGBTQ people and LGBT relationship, um, awareness for veterans, the military, and in the most beautiful, open-minded, heart-wrenching, every word is filled with soul. That's amazing. And then their partner, oh my God, oh my God, I went to a live show because Mm -hmm. Andrea Gibson is also a spoken word poet. And from the moment I sat down in that theater seat until two hours later when we left, I was bawling. Oh my God, I believe it. She cries so easily, you guys. She cries so easily. Oh, you are going to hear me sob on this podcast. It's going to get intimate. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, but like Mike was sitting there next to me because my partner takes an interest in my interests. That's beautiful. And right. And just like, keeps looking over at me and seeing me crying and then kind of like looking back up and being like, okay, maybe not. And then looking up and being like, okay, maybe not. And then for like a few moments, he didn't look at me. So I turned to look at him and I'm like, bitch, is that a tear in your (laughs) eye? (laughs) And it was. Oh my God. That's good. That's good. He's in touch with his emotions. That's really good. We, yes, yes. He's trying. He absolutely can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's all that really counts. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. You like, you know, you said you d- you don't you didn't get that spark for Shakespeare. I didn't get that spark for poetry, but seeing it in you, which is fascinating, right? Because Shakespeare is technically a poet. Which is, I don't read it like that though. I just read it like conversation. Um, I know, um, and I think it was intended that way, probably. But people read it as poetry. But like hearing you talk about it so passionately, like reciting that Lord Byron, I'm like. Want to love poetry? <laughs> it's I. I don't know. For a while in university, I felt like a pretentious douche mm. because all of my friends were going to their gender studies classes and their feminist lit classes and all of these things that I really wanted to learn more about. But I kept kind of turning back and being like, "Wait, no! I want more romance. I want more romantic era works. I want." And I think what I love so much about the Romantic era is the excitement of discovery. Oh, yeah. Because, yes, they got so much so wrong, Mm. but it was the first time anyone had thought to try. Yeah. 
It's true. You know, you do know I love John Keats, though. So I understand. Oh, that's true. I do understand. That's true. Yeah, because, you know, Keats and Byron were enemies and we aren't. So (laughs) no, never. That's fun. Uh, But no, I I completely understand that. And, you know, this is like a totally safe space for you to say that because you know how many Shakespeare classes I've gone to and I could have been learning something else. You know what? I think I ended up learning a lot about a lot else from a lot of people who told it better mm. and a more exciting package than I would have gotten out of a lecture hall. The classroom isn't always the best place to learn things. It's not. I, I think I learned the most from fucking up. And I think that's going to be a very long conversation later mm. on in the year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely learned the most from fucking up. And I regret the interactions in which I have fucked up and taken emotional labor from people's lived experiences. Um, But I mean, thank you for your emotional labor. I did learn. Yeah. I mean, and you know what? We can also talk about like, how can you try to fuck up less and be more aware of the world around you? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I totally understand that poetry thing. And, you know, going back to it again and again, I don't think there's any shame in it because whatever we weren't learning from, like, gender studies or feminist literature, I think there's also a benefit in keep going, like, going back to those things because they're calling you because when you leave, mm-hmm. when you leave, you know something about yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because with every play, with every poem, we know who shireen is more we know who nude is more and that's important too and we find our place in in the universe whatever that means even if it's a small piece of yourself yeah and you know and we find our place actually among words written by Mm -hmm. that were not written for us as arab women yes and and we're kind of forcing ourselves into those spheres and making mm-hmm. it like molding them to us. And that's also really important mm-hmm. because this kind of work should be accessible to everybody. Yes, it should. Honestly, just self-discovery and self-expression of any kind, even if you don't find it in a book, because I mean, I, I get it. Habits are hard to build. And if reading isn't a habit that you built throughout your youth, it will be difficult to develop a love for it or a habit of it. but. Audiobooks exist, news articles just consume a wide variety of media and regard it critically. Yeah. Um, this episode is brought to you by Audible. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> one day, one day. Audible, one please day. sponsor us. We actually support audiobooks um, and we love them, and Nude is really good at them. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I love that. I love I love that you love poetry. It makes me feel like I love poetry by extension. You make me feel like I love Shakespeare by extension. That's good. I mean, we both have the capacity to get excited about things that the other person loves, which is why our friendship is so good. It's true. It's a beautiful friendship. It is a beautiful friendship. <laughs> okay, give me number five. So here's my last one, and this one is actually vague. It's healing. Um, oh, that's a good one. Mul- it's just like... In multiple ways. One, I am a very healing person for a lot of people. And a lot of Uh people come to me to kind of hand me things to carry for them. 
And yeah, that would be me. <laughs> yeah, but it actually doesn't exhaust me the way people think it does. Um, because I think that's just the kind of person I am. Like, I, I'm here to carry things because I don't let them like seep into me. You know, they just kind of like sit on me and I'm holding them for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in another way, I have been really focused on my own healing. And that meant picking the scabs off of old wounds recently and trying to understand why so I am scary. the way I am. And it's painful and disgusting. And when you pick a scab, it starts to bleed. But then hopefully I'm applying like antibiotic and a real Band-Aid and I will be left with a scar that's less painful. And mm-hmm. I think it's really important for all of us to heal. I think it's important for us to realize that we are all wounded in different ways. When you recognize uh, that, you will actually feel so much more free. You will. Yeah. You really will. Yeah. You really will. Um, wherever you are along your mental health journey, um, it fucking sucks and get yourself some guidance. Get a therapist if you can. And if you can't, there's like, there's more resources linked below. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's, um, I understand that therapy is not accessible to everybody, but if you are privileged enough to have it be accessible to you, please take advantage of it. Even if you feel like there's nothing wrong. Yes. Um, it helps a lot to decompress with a with an unbiased soundboard. Yes. Yes. I agree. That's the big thing. Because you can always go to your friends and your friends, I hope, I hope that you have friendships where your friends have your back and support you and maybe sometimes challenge you. But your friends aren't going to stop and look you in the eye and say to you, where did this very, very specific fear that is now holding you back come from? Mm -hmm. Your friends are unlikely to say that to you. And even if they do, they're unlikely to know how to decipher whatever information you give them. Yeah, it's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. I, I feel like nowadays you and I would ask each other that. But that's only because yeah. we've learned that from our experiences in therapy. Dude, I've I've been in therapy since I was it's been it's been nine years, almost ten years of therapy. Oh my god, I've only been in for like out. two years. <laughs> and it's every time, every time I'm like, oh, like I'm done with therapy. I graduated from therapy. And then I every time I'm like, I'm gonna be great. I'm gonna be perfect. <laughs> Exactly. I figured it out. I cracked the code. Don't worry. I got this. And every time that has not been the case, um, it hasn't. It hasn't. So I think that that leads pretty nicely into my number Mm. five. And this is something that I don't like defining me. This isn't something that I'm proud of. Okay. But my anxiety defines me. I know, I know, right? It's 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 a it's a big departure from healing, yeah. which would have been a, a much more pleasant angle for me to take. But the fact remains that I have 
at the bare minimum weekly panic attacks. Mm. I have a debilitating anxiety about kind of going out into the world um, for a very, very, very wide variety of reasons. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of fear about doing anything. The reason that I'm here doing this podcast is because Shushu is the hero we all need and my own personal hero. And, and, and Chu, you set it up. I mean, if it weren't for you, I, I wouldn't have written 15,000 words of anything. Oh, yeah. And I did. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. And here we are. Um, so I think my anxiety is defining me a little bit less as time goes on. Yeah. But it is an ever-present burden that I am learning to cope with. You know, you are honestly doing so well and so much better than you were a while ago. And I hope you're giving yourself credit for that. I am. I really yeah, am. Because and thank you for reminding yeah, me. Yeah, you, you've been doing so well. And honestly, like... I'm just like egging you on. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, she'll message me something crazy and be like, I want to write, I want to write erotica. And I'll be like, yeah, do it. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> That's what the 15,000 words is. It's, 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 it's erotica. It's actually very exciting. The action starts on page I two. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> I write romance. She writes erotica. We believe in the power of it's- the genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did we meet? Um, I can tell you about a time before we met. Please. Uh, And that was, I was endlessly envious of you. And this is the truth. This is still ridiculous to me, but please go on. So, listeners, Nude was, is actually, very bubbly and sociable. And people loved her. I was withdrawn sarcastic and people didn't love me so i think i loved you but from the outside i think our friendship mystified people because fundamentally we're the same Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. express ourselves really differently i usually do so loudly yeah and i usually do so with some you know, honestly, it's humor. I'm actually not pessimistic. I'm just funny. No, you're hilarious. You're just salty about it. I'm like, get funny then. Anyway. Yeah, no, it's here's the thing. Um, people don't like it when jokes go over their heads and then when it's pointed out to them that a joke just went over their head. That's yeah, all right, and that's fair. Um, so yes, before uh pre-nude, which is a time I shudder to think about, I was busy being envious of her because I thought she was really cool, but also didn't know, didn't feel like I was good enough to kind of be like, hey, we should be friends. I feel like we would get along, which I would do now. I literally, okay, I literally every day am thoroughly amazed that you want to be friends with me. (laughs) How, I don't know why that would shock you. I literally spent probably like a full year being like, God, I wish I was friends with her. God, I wish I was friends with her. God, I like nonstop people manifest manifest it works just keep yelling it out into the universe um you and i i think got along or we started talking because 
of English. I don't know what we were reading. Yes. Uh, maybe it was Lord of the Flies. Yes. Yeah. We got really close. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So we knew each other from grade seven-ish. But in grade 10, we got like close, close. Yeah, we were in the same English class and we were taking Lord of the Flies. And then we found out, I think it was the first time we had been in, the, in an English class together. And we found out, I was like, oh my God, she takes it seriously just like me. And Nude was like, oh my God, she read the book just like I did. Yes, and we could like yes, convene, absolutely. we could come together mm-hmm. and be like, so this is how I feel about this. This is how I'm analyzing this and whatever. Um, then we read Richard III and we were just bouncing off each other so well that our English teacher was like, you guys just basically can read the play out loud. I don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we did a damn fine job. We did a, a damn yeah, fine job. For like babies for Shakespeare. That was an amazing performance. I really wish we had had technology to record back then. We got really close in the 10th grade. We fell out of touch for a while. We did uh, through much of university. Mostly, very honestly, my fault. My bad. That's okay. That's on me. That's okay. I actually, (laughs) like, I feel like I should deny it, but a part of me knows, a part of me knows that I I was a little sad that my trying was hitting a wall. (laughs) Yes. I understand Um, it now, though, because you were going through it. Yeah, but like that's really unfair because I honestly just withdrew completely from everything. Um Yeah, there was a lot of really dark mental health stuff, food stuff, uh suicidal tendencies. Um, under eating, over exercising. I mean, Nude, I don't want you to say plenty. There was I don't want you to say that it was unfair though, because we did not have the language to talk about that with each other. Yeah, think that's about true. where we grew up. That's true. I wish we. I did, wish we, is today what I'm we would, but because we were fresh out of the UAE, we didn't have the language. Mm-hmm. We even if you had come to me. I would not have had the emotional capacity to process, I guarantee. Well, I know that you would have done your absolute best. Yeah, but you know, it, 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 know it would have been a struggle for us both. I think, actually. Yeah, that's yeah, true. But when we found each other again. <sighs> the best. The best. The thing is, the thing is, like, I don't want to make this clear to everyone. We never stopped caring about each other. We have been. Imp- oh, no. The love is. Yeah. Deep. We have always been important to each other. If Nudes disappeared for like 50 years, I'd be super pissed right now. But when she showed up, <laughs> I would forgive her immediately. Um, Same. So, because we care about each other. But we also had been in a society that kind of left us unprepared to deal with the real world so it makes sense that we had to do that on our own when we found each other again we were like we're we were this so much so much better the same people fundamentally but like glow up versions (laughs) oh my god the glow glow up. up so i think that we i think we started reconnecting kind of very seriously when you made the trip here to Toronto for Mike and I's yeah. wedding. And I was one of the bridesmaids and by accident. 
And you were, you were. Let's not discuss that. It was always meant to it be. It was always meant to um, be. It was always meant to be. But I think, I think part of me, how do I explain this? There was so much hatred and disgust for and this is, again, a very privileged position to take, um, to be able to say, I reject 17 years of my mm-hmm. life and I don't want anything to do with it and I don't want any of it to define me and I'm not staying in touch with anyone and I'm removing myself. And it was it was very satisfying as, I guess, a death of mm. sorts. I was able to kind of be reborn here, which obviously not the mm-hmm. case, people, not the Um, A little bit of delusion Mm -hmm. was happening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The point is, though, like when you came here, that was a moment that struck a very deep seated chord for me, which was like. There is so much here that I don't get elsewhere. There is history and there is culture and there is language and there is shared context and there is so much love. And I don't know what the fuck I thought I could, I don't know what benefit I thought I would have from erasing any aspect of myself or my life. Mm. But when you came back, it was a fucking reawakening. And then when I came to visit you in March, and you can ask Mike this, I'm not sure if he wants to insert his voice here, but since I've been back from LA, I have no word of a lie been on the up and up. Yeah, I've also been on the up and up. Yay! So, okay, I'm sorry. Literally, when when since your visit, I wrote a literal novel. You literally wrote a literal... And by the way, I'm, I'm not going to say the title because you do use a pen yes. name and I will allow you to disclose on yes. your own time. But I read this novel in a night. I could not take my eyes away from it. I was... It was a great night that night. That was so fun. Um, Oh my God, I hate you. We had a fun discussion though before all of that. We did. We did. We did. It was a beautiful novel. So well written. And uh, hey, Harlequin and Avon and all of you, check your freaking submissions, will ya? Right? I need a copy on my shelf. I need a paperback. Yeah, you're you, and you were in the dedication as well. You saw that. I know. I did. I yeah. I, I again um, <laughs> because no one will have seen this, but um, Nude was one of the people I thanked for showing me what it is to be loved unconditionally. Because that is like that's something I've struggled with my whole life, feeling loved or like I deserve it. But Nude makes me feel like I deserve it. That's crazy. Of course you deserve it. Of course you deserve it. Get out I of know, here. but like you are... that trauma though. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, I, I started writing a uh, graphic novel mm. like last year called Tiny Traumas. Mm. Um, I drew one drawing, wrote one passage, cried, and then left. <laughs> hey, sometimes that's the way we have to release it. Yeah. I, it, you know what? It worked. It was great. Yeah. So maybe here's our last question before we close out. Um, what inspired us to start this podcast? Um, I personally want a minimum of two hours a week to talk to you. That's fair. We also do talk almost every day, though. 
This is very true. And the conversation never ends. And I was actually explaining this to Mike and he didn't get it. He was like, oh, like, how do you guys initiate conversations? How do you know that each other's available? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? We just send whatever's on our mind, like verbal diarrhea. And whenever the next person is awake or aware, they respond. I literally was sending you memes about Cornish Hashakin, like <laughs> in the morning. <laughs> okay, I woke up to those and I was deeply thrilled. Oh my God. You know, I saw a meme uh, that was like, when you're trying to get off of school, so you fake illness, but your dad takes you here. And it was a picture of fucking golf diagnostic center. <laughs> and I lost my mind. Why is this us? Can we shout out the meme page actually that posted that? Yeah. What was the name of that meme page? Because we do want to shout it out. I am literally pulling it up right now because it was freaking pure gold honestly oh Khalidia memes Khalidia memes I also want to shout out the meme shop because the meme the meme shop is hilarious <laughs> the meme shop is so good so that's uh, on Instagram at k-h-a-l-i-d-i-y-a dot memes and the other one Shushu if you want to spell it um that one is the so t-h-e and then M-E-E-M, and then shop, the meme shop, but meme spelled incorrectly, probably on purpose for reasons I don't understand. Probably because Arabs can't spell. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Can I feel like probably we can't spell. God knows that you and I could barely spell and we were good. <laughs> For several years, my email address was Independent Dragon with Independent spelt Independent. Oh my god, I so, remember Independent Dragon. That's fine though. Listen, everybody had really, really freaking embarrassing email addresses, and Independent Dragon with Independent spelt incorrectly was not the worst one. It feels like the worst. It feels like the worst, but also it was just like based in your love for fantasy literature and not weird and sexualized and gross. Yeah. So like very, that's very super true. valid. Okay. Well, thank you very, very much. Okay. I was an independent woman. You and you still are. Woohoo. Okay, so I guess we should sign off. Uh how do we close this podcast? I just want to say if you've made it this far, thank you. And we hope that you'll keep coming back. Um, our music in this podcast um, was purchased from Fiverr, which is F-I-V-E-R-R.com. And it was made by a kind person named Omar. Their username is CH6K0R. And you can use them for all of your music needs. Our podcast is produced by Noor's husband, Mike. Thanks, babe. And thank you, Alma. Yep. Thank you to both of you. Um, we will be back next week with another super fun episode. This one will be more focused on one topic and less kind of all over the place. But we just wanted to give you guys a sense of who we were. Yes, yes. And what's our topic next week? Uh, our topic is growing up in the UAE. Ooh, so for all of those who have questions such as, oh my God, did you ride a camel to school? Um, or other pressing questions such as, are you rich with oil money? Um, we'll have yeah, answers. Yeah, we, we will answer all questions. of your pressing questions. So if you do have specific questions, you can find us on Twitter um, and Instagram at the Baba Pod. 
You can also email us at thebabapod at gmail.com. That's T-H-E-B-A-B-A-P-O-D. And we don't have any sponsors, so that's that. <laughs> but when we have sponsors, be ready to be shouted out so hard that your business blossoms and blooms and soars and thrives. Small businesses, come to us. We want to help you. And we will do it for for as much as you can afford. Please. (laughs) Okay. So this has been Don't Tell Baba, and we will see you next week. And guys, don't tell Baba. Don't just don't tell Baba. Literally, we (laughs) we have given you this like the secret to everything just in the title of this podcast. So be (laughs) grateful and come back next week.